Hi, and welcome to episode 74 of No Crying in Baseball. It's both the St. Patty's Day episode, I kind of like that about it, and also the last episode of season two of No Crying in Baseball. How about that? My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. I was just thinking that St. Potty Mouth is just an oxymoron. It doesn't work <laughs> that way. So we've got to have St. Patty is so appropriate for this podcast, I would say. I don't, you're kind of like the patron saint of like swell like a sailor day. <laughs> there, right? We need a holiday for that. There we is a holiday for that. A holiday for that. <laughs> I've been in the mood for celebrating recently. Can I tell you what Please amazing, do. exciting thing happened to me yesterday? Tell me what happened. I was out to brunch with a couple of people who I've gotten to know through a common connection of a friend who's had a really hard time. And I've been one of the key members of the support team, and it's definitely sucked up a lot of time. But, you know, it's that pay it forward thing. You do stuff for friends. And karma came back to me because I got a message from one of these people saying, I have a present for you. And I'm thinking, what could it be? You were thinking it was going to be a scented candle, weren't you? Something like that. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe a souvenir from a trip. But we get together and he has this little bag and he's excited to give it to me from the get-go. And he tells me this story about Johnny Bench being a family friend or somebody he know knowing Johnny Bench, which then I thought, okay, he's giving me a Johnny Bench baseball, which ironically is one of the two autographed baseballs that I already have because my dad gave it to me. <laughs> so I was thinking, well, you know, the other one actually got in kind of shitty condition. It'll be nice to have a fresh one. I can give Patty the used one. There was something <laughs> like that was definitely going through my brain. And then he said, though, that through Johnny Bench when he was younger, and this is a, an older man who I was having brunch with, he got assigned baseball to him from Ted Williams. And at that point- Wait, pause. Mm-hmm. Ted, The Ted Williams. The Ted, Ted Williams. Ted Williams. I almost fell off my fucking seat. I started crying. I made a scene in the restaurant. I was gifted a Ted Williams signed autograph baseball. So listeners, please help me because at this point, I need to care for it and I need to get it authenticated. Is that the right word? Did I say that, that right? That is the right word. Look at you with the vocabulary. Okay, I'm working on it. And so I did a little bit of that internet research stuff, and everybody keeps saying, ship it to us. Like, there's these three companies, which are the the main authenticators, and they say, ship it. And I'm not putting that in a box with anything on it. I need someplace in the D.C. area, please, people, or New York or Boston. Both of those are frequent destinations or upcoming destinations of mine. Or Cleveland, somewhere around here. Anybody who authenticates baseball autographs, please tell me message us on any of our social media platforms or hosts at nocryingandbball.com. Please get in touch with me. So while Potty Mouth is, you know, sort of basking in the glory of this freaking cool Ted Williams baseball, which she has not shown me yet, but Ooh. I'm going to ask her about that soon, as soon as we're done. I am apparently mired in misery that I didn't know I had. Let me tell you what happened. So The Athletic, which I read religiously, I love The Athletic, Every year does its misery index and it's misery based on like the misery of the fan base of baseball teams. Turns out that all three of my favorite teams are in the top 10 of the misery index of and all 30 teams. You're surprised? You know, it's sort of validating. Okay. There it's you kind go. of validating of my whole, uh, my entire life. We'll get them next year and rooting for the underdog and lost causes are the only ones worth fighting for and all of that. Well, apparently I'm not just blowing smoke. And guess who the highest misery index goes to? Okay. Who are my three teams? Okay. Cleveland uh-huh. and the Orioles uh-huh. and the Nationals, but they're, oh yes, they haven't quite made it. Yeah. The Nationals. Right. So of those three, who, which fan base do you think is the highest level of misery? 
I'd say Cleveland. Actually, it's the Nationals. Really? I know. We I don't know. have the same history. We don't have the, the l- l- longevity. That's it. Longevity. You know what? The Cleveland team went to the World Series a couple times. They did. And the Nats just can't get it together in the postseason. And so it's the fan-based misery over time. So how about that, folks? I want to see that equation. That sounds all, like some math. Yeah. Yeah. So all three of my teams, top 10 of the misery index. On today's St. Patrick's Day show, St. Patrick's Day, we're going to talk about some breaking news. We have actual breaking news. I don't know if it'll be considered breaking news once you hear the show, because it'll be two days later, but it's breaking this morning, so we're excited about it. We have our first premature ejection of the season. Cheers. Yay for that. Bryce Harper is still trying to make news even after the deal is done. We're going to introduce our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League starting lineups to you today. And then rules, 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 and I may sneak in a vocabulary lesson. First, breaking news. I want to have a theme song. Dun, dun, dun. Breaking news. You did that well. Thank you. That works. Thank you. So we've talked before about how the minor league players' salaries are for crap. The average salary is about $1,000 a month. And these guys are expected to live on that. And there's, there's, you know... a federal law that says they can't get paid overtime for more than 40 hours a week. And of course, they work more. Than, so it's $1,000 a month, okay? That's food, that's lodging, that's everything. The Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays, have taken it upon themselves to create an increase in minor league salaries by more than 50%. It's not a complete done deal, so the exact amounts are not known. But it's over ev- all the whole minor league system, all the way from their Dominican League team, all the way up through AAA. So everybody's going to see raises. It's nice to see them doing that with a sizable figure, like starting out at 50%, not just sort of inching it up is the first thing that comes to my mind. And the other thing is they're catching a lot of shit now for keeping Vladimir Guerrero Jr. down with what you called the service time deal that we mm-hmm. talked about last week. So is this them trying to compensate a little bit for... Catching shit for keeping people in the minor league? I hope not. I hope it's a whole separate Thanks. bucket of, mm-hmm. of things they're working on, on, on labor issues. And interestingly, Major League Baseball does not have to approve this. They notified Major League Baseball. They notified MLB that we're changing this. We're changing these this pay structure. So it doesn't affect any other teams, but hopefully it'll be the first one that then you know creates the domino effect. And hopefully everybody will get on this bandwagon because please pay these guys a living wage. They're working hard for us. We're, we have to follow that. I'm very curious to see how other teams react. I will be hopeful. Maybe we could start with, say, the Astros, who we're going to talk about right now. And (laughs) one of our favorite coaches out there, managers, not so much, maybe, A.J. Hinch, who I've had issues with in the past, but on this case, I'm kind of on his side. Oh, me too. He's been thrown out of a spring training game, which does not happen that often, and really there's not much of a reason to do it, by Angel Hernandez, an umpire with a pass. So, passed. That There's a T on that. And umpire with a past, a colored past, a checkered past. He has quite a past. A.J. Hinch and Hernandez also have a past together. What actually happened at that game was the Astros were at bat in the bottom of the inning. First pitch, Hinch said something about how it was called, and he was thrown out. It goes back to the top of the inning where a pitch that was called a ball should have been a strike and actually was proven so later by the little pitch zone uh, rectangle. 
So, you know, whatever anybody ca- argues balls or strikes with an umpire, you know you're going to get thrown out. Hinch, in his, in his interview afterward, was not surprised. He tried to explain it by saying he was trying to help Angel Hernandez by saying things like, we have technology to help you get better. <laughs> I'm sure that was well-received. And he was surprised that he had an arrogant attitude in response, and he called this attitude condescending, inappropriate, and unprofessional. But there was a little backstory to that backstory, right? Yeah, before that, though, the actual, in the game itself, this harkens back to when um, Hernandez had been interviewed before, and he said, oh, I usually get about, I make about four bad calls per game. Right. And so Hinch is watching the game against the Cardinals. So his guy's pitching the top of the first and some calls go bad. So he's getting upset. And then it's the first pitch of George Springer leadoff batters at bat. It's the first pitch to an Astros batter that gets called wildly wrong. And Hinch yells, you've used all four. And and Springer, your former boyfriend, right, from mm-hmm, last year, mm-hmm. and the batting coach, I think, yep. actually had to con- confine- Restrain. Re- restrain. That's the word. A.J. Hinch, who purposely did not just go into the dugout, but he went and exited through left field to really make a show of this. Slowly. Very slowly. And I'm just wondering how this is going to go for him for the rest of the season to have bad blood with Angel Hernandez. Not like other people don't have bad blood with Angel Hernandez. Seems like almost everybody does. Certainly nobody is in his in his court. Like nobody really says, oh, he is my favorite umpire. No one. No. And I think we'll post a few articles about him because he had some scandals last year with ALDS bad calls and Sabathia and Pedro Martinez on his ass the year before. He's involved in a lawsuit that actually we just figured out has not yet been settled against Major League Baseball for discrimination issues. So we'll have to see how that goes. So in addition to our first premature ejection of spring training, we have a couple of little news items. One is Bryce Harper, remember him, still trying to grab headlines. Well, I don't know if he did this on purpose, but he was hit by a 96-mile-an-hour fastball in the ankle, which dropped him to the ground and sent him out of the game. And I think the whole point of it was to test all of the Philadelphia fan base to make sure they were taking their heart medication. Because believe me, Phillies fans, you're going to need it with Harper on your team. He's back already. He's fine. But boy, it was scary to look at. He's just earning his paycheck, right? He knows that being in the headlines is part of the deal of this huge payment. So maybe that's it. Couple guys we love to love, actually. Adam Jones, we're going to miss you here in ba- near, nearby Baltimore, but we're happy you found a home in the Diamond with Diamondbacks. I hope they serve you well, and they're lucky to have you. And Cargo is going to Cleveland. How about that? I'm okay with that. Yeah, Carlos Gonzalez. It's I'm like nice to see him land. And even though these are both one year deals, I believe a Cargos is, is a is minor league contract that you oh. have to earn. Your, he's got to earn his way. But that's how you do it. You do you sign the minor league contract, and then you earn your way onto the. You'll, you'll get it. They they need him in the outfield. It's good to see a little bit of action, but there's still some big names hanging out there. We still haven't seen Kimbrel find a home or Dallas Keuchel. So this is like baby steps toward what's happening for the rest of the season. I have seen articles about well, how bad would it be if if Kimbrell just sat the season out, well, it would be horrible for us. Yeah. I don't know what, how just, it would be for him. But. It's stupid. It's yeah. a waste of amazing talent. There's no argument that this guy should be playing Major League Baseball, and he's not. There are a lot of other guys, however, who are, who we are going to be following with our Fantasy Baseball Boyfriend League or Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League. I'm going to use both because when I do the hashtag Fantasy Baseball, a lot of stuff gets connected 
So if I say fantasy baseball boyfriend league, but they're really fantasy boyfriends in our baseball league. Either way, they're this set of guys that we have been carefully, painstakingly choosing over the past few weeks, few months of the offseason. We chose a guy from every team who met our qualifications of not just being a good player, but having that special something that would make us want to go to a bar and hang out with them, have a beer, and talk about stuff, just sort of shoot the shit. Today, we had to make our cuts because, you know, there are 30 teams. We don't have 30 slots on our fantasy team. So we're just going to go through the starting lineup right now. We'll have a a few bench players on top of this, but the guys that I picked... My first baseman is going to be Ronald Guzman from the Texas Rangers. I chose him for my final team because Condor, I just a couple weeks ago talked about him adopting a Condor. How cool is that? Oh, dear listener, you may notice that my qualifications often don't have to do with baseball exactly. I'm just going to count on the fact that they have the skills out of there. But um, Ronald Guzman's real clincher for me is he comes from a Red Sox fan family grew up following the Red Sox, and said, and I quote about the Yankees, I want to kill them every time I play them. That is good by me. I'm a little uncomfortable with the joy you take (laughs) in the words, kill them. As I cackle. I'm going to keep the entire table between those for the duration of the show. Hmm, I don't have any Yankees on my team. How did that happen? Second base. Going on to second base, I do have another American League East team the Toronto Blue Jays, and I chose Lourdes Unito Baby Piña, or La Piñita Gurriel Jr., on second base, because he has great hair. He just has great hair. He really does have great hair, there's no doubt. Our friend Alfredo Alvarez from Con las Bases Llenas, anybody who speaks Spanish, go into his feed and look at his interview with Gurriel Jr., and at one point, Alfredo takes off his hat and says, do you think I can have hair like yours? And the answer is... No, 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 you can't. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, Alfredo. Love you. Not the hair. Um, well, not that I don't. I'm going to just stop that. Just, yeah, yeah move, just moving on. Move. How, how are you looking for the next? Uh, about third base? Uh, shortstop first. Shortstop. Shortstop, shortstop comes in between. And shortstop was tough. I have a lot of good shortstops compared to last year. And I went with Andrelton, Andrelton Simmons for a reason that I don't usually go with, which is uh, statistics. I was between him and Carlos Correa, and Simmons' war is noticeably higher, like multiple times higher. So I figured, eh. Also, I felt a little bit responsible for keeping one of the Curacaoans actually on the team because I scouted so many of them, and to just leave them all in the dust would be kind of bad, especially after I just left uh, Albies, Ozzy Albies, in the dust on second base by choosing Gurriel Jr. Yeah, I got to go back to that one for a second and think, wow, you're putting a lot of weight on hair. Mm -hmm. Because I would have been Albies all the way, but yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, well, future future podcast fodder. We're looking for stuff to talk about. Speaking of hair and stuff to talk about, there we go. There's a lead-in into my third baseman, who's Justin Turner, Mr. Gingerbeard extraordinaire of the Dodgers. And it's not just his beer that got me, beard, beer, that would be good. His beer, the beers would absolutely get us, no doubt. That would totally get me. Not just that, but I think if you go back to the podcast where where we highlighted him, his philanthropy is pretty amazing. So I would love to have a beer with him and talk about all the causes that he supports. As a catcher, 
I didn't have a choice, really, because my other catcher, Jorge Alfaro, got traded to the Marlins. So I'm stuck with, oh, no, I love Francisco (laughs) Cervelli of the Pirates. And I do really love him because he took his mom on vacation to Italy. And anybody who treats their mom to a vacation, especially abroad in Europe, yeah, that's a good guy. Points, points from us, the moms. Left field, I have Juan Jose Soto Pacheco because I love the name Juanjo and it's our home team advantage. I'm going to be seeing him a lot. I want to have an investment on it. And he's fucking awesome, he's really. Fucking awesome. Uh, and then in center field for humor, I've got Locaine. He's just <laughs> such a fun guy. Wait, you're picking a fantasy team based on humor. I love you so much, Body Mouth. Yeah. I really do. Truly, and, and madly, also, deeply. He had, I mean, he had a funny story too of not actually having played baseball until sophomore year in high school right. or something like that. And his best friend, Salvador Perez, I miss because I had him last year and cannot keep him because of our boyfriend rules. Stupid rules. In right field, to nobody's surprise at all, I'm sticking with Pookie, Mookie Betts, and he has not the hair. His hair is actually not really admirable. He's got the weird beard situation that's not quite all there, but he's got a snarl. He has an Elvis snarl, and The Athletic has a great article that I wish I could share with y'all, but you just have to subscribe. Really, it's worth it. And it explains the snarl that he didn't even realize that he had until people started pointing it out to him. People like... Your boyfriend, Jackie Bradley Jr., who said he does it, he does his thing, but I don't think we have to look at his mouth too much. (laughs) To close it up, my pitchings with the Cardinals, talked about them a bunch last week, go back to get it. The good news that I didn't think about while I was doing my picks, but happily happened, is that I really have a clear team to root for in each division based on the representation. Uh, American League East, I have two representations, but of course I'm going with the Red Sox. And then the AL Central, I only have one. NL Central is the rough one because I have two teams plus my pitching is Cardinals. So I might be pulling for the Cardinals a little bit there, but then there's the home team. Yeah. But AL West, NL West, one team each. I think I'm good for the season. It's a good team. It's a good team, even though, I, you know, we already stipulate mad baseball skills. So when we say things like, because he's funny and because he's had good hair, we've already picked the guys who have the mad skills. So give us a break on this. It's not only those things. Those I, things are gravy. Usually. Oh, I've, I've sometimes I've fucked those things. up okay. on that before. Yeah, right. I definitely have. <laughs> Flashback to Sean Rodriguez last year. But. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? That was the Gatorade? Yeah. Okay. Yep, Never Gatorade. mind. Okay. So, so Patty's team. Patty's team. Okay. So first base, I had kind of a tough choice between Matt Olson of the A's and Yandy Diaz, who of the of Tampa Bay, who I really like. Yeah, he but had then, a great story. When I saw that Patty Mouth sort of, you know, ticked off what division she had represented, I realized I am really very East Coast based. I want to say East Coast centric, but that doesn't make any sense. So I'm, as you'll see, I'm very East Coast heavy. So. And I really do like Matt Olson, so I thought, okay, I gotta, I gotta like spend a little time out there on the West Coast. So I'm going with Matt Olson and the A's, my first baseman. Second base, I do have a Yankee. Oh I, shit! Wow. But I have the Yankee who's barely a Yankee, right? Remember, I chose DJ LeMahieu as my Yankee boyfriend because he hadn't been a Yankee for more than a couple minutes. So I figure, okay, the the stank, the Yankee stank's not on him yet. So my second baseman. DJ the Mayhem. Yeah, we got to watch that Yankee infield. It's a little vol- we don't know who's going to be where right now. So I'm I'll be curious. I hope yeah. they play LeMahieu a lot. So I'm kind of mixing up the uh, the new guys with the old guys that you will see because my shortstop I picked Gene Segura who's new to the Phillies and he is a young 
phenom, young-ish phenom, and he's going to be a blast to watch. And we we were seeing a lot of Phillies games because of, you know, the the NL East, which is the place to watch. Third base, surprising no one, my once and forever boyfriend, Anthony Rendon. I am never going to not have Anthony Rendon as my boyfriend, which means how weird is this? I had to put Jose Ramirez on the bench. Wow. But because we make the rules, I can put Jose Ramirez on the bench. Which means Patty keeps him before anybody else on our team, on our who's going to join us in playing, which we'll talk about at the end of this. You guys can't take him because he's on Patty's bench. So I'm just going to say neener, neener, neener right there. My outfield was the hardest for me to choose because I have Michael Brantley, who I love. And I've got Upton and I've got Palka. And these guys are great and they're interesting and they're funny and they're talented and they have sexy defense and all of these things. Those three guys are not making my starting lineup because I have freaking Christian Yelich. Yeah, I have the MVP. Mm-hmm. Even though I read something today saying, oh, don't pick Christian Yelich because, you know, he was so good last year. Clearly, he's going to regress this year. Well, screw you. I'm taking Christian Yelich anyway. And, you know, when someone says you have the rookie of the year available to you, you say, yes, please. I'll take Ronald Acuna Jr. Absolutely. And. The last spot in the outfield was almost a toss-up. I really, really love Cedric Mullins of the O's, and it would be kind of nice to, like, throw the O's some love. Would be. It would be, but then sexy defense went out. I'm going with Jackie Bradley Jr. Part of it is because it's St. Patrick's Day, and he's from Boston, and it just seems like a thing. I'm and, so proud of you. And make make Potty Mouth happy, right? And I'm kind of sucking up to Potty Mouth because she has that new Ted Williams baseball that I might want to see. So there's that. I saw a sweet Instagram post by JBJ with his daughter on oh, him. yeah. And they were napping, and it was sort of something like that treasure the memory now because you know it's going to change. And as parents of teenagers, we know that all too well. And to see him like that with his kid, there's extra boyfriend points. That's exactly why. It's not the diving catches. Right. It's his love for his. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Check no, out no. your outfield, though. MVP, Rookie of the Year, and Golden Glove. Like, yeah. I'm yeah, okay. I'm okay bad. with that. So I'm hoping I can say things like eat my dust this year, but not that I'm throwing down any gauntlets or anything. So for catcher, I'm going with veteran Russell Martin of the Dodgers. Interesting, my choices were between Russell Martin, former Blue Jay, and Luke Maley, who is the current catcher for the um, for the Blue Jays. And he was sort of Russell Martin's protege, right? So Martin was the veteran and Luke was like the the up and coming guy. So he learned a lot from Russell Martin. So I had to choose. Again, I'm going with West Coast. I want a Dodgers guy. I really like Russell Martin. I like him as a human. I like him as a catcher. So I'm going to go with, with veteran. I'm going with experience. Yahoo. And then pitching staff we talked about last week is the Nats. Mad Max is my starting guy. If you had Mad Max, you'd start Mad Max. So I'm really excited about my pitching staff. I think this is a good time to put out our final plea to join us. You will notice that we do not have salary caps, so you can have a blast with this. The main qualification is that it's a nice guy. No assholes involved. We will give you lists of pre-screened guys. Last year, we had whole bunches of guys that we can't touch this year that are open to your fantasy team. So if you want to have fun with us and play, shoot us a message. Hosts at NoCryingAndBball.com. Oh, we have rules. I'm so excited about today because there's rules. I am a high school teacher and I am sick of rules. Are you going to actually get me excited about rules? No. Oh. <laughs> All so right. I'm kind of faking it. You okay. Go. So I'm sort of excited on a meta level that these rules exist because what it means is that the player association, which is the union, the players union, 
and MLB management are talking to each other and they're making progress because a couple of weeks ago, it didn't seem like they would go anywhere. The things we're going to talk about, the things they've agreed on, mostly agreed on, some of them are bigger than others, but what they mean is they're already engaging with each other and maybe by the time next year comes around and it's time to talk about the real things, the labor issues, the pay for minor leagues, the service time, how free agency is crap right now. They will have built up this relationship, this compromise, this conversation thing, and hopefully that will go places and we won't have a freaking strike. I'm glad that you said that because as we go through this list of rules, the importance of them just, uh, I don't feel so good about it. There's so much more important stuff we could be talking about it, but you putting it this way that it's opening the door, maybe we can hope for it for the future. We'll just keep it on our back burner. Yeah, I'm going to focus on the things that happened this year. A handful of changes happened this year, and then we'll gloss over a little bit of things that are coming in 2020 because there's a two-step thing. First, I want to say, hey, no pitch clock. That did not work. That's funny. So um, so Manfred is reserving the right to talk about it again later, but no pitch clock this year. That's out, off the table. So nobody liked it. Nobody liked it. It wasn't enough of, an, of a thing. Uh-huh. The biggest change this year, in my opinion, is there's only one trade deadline now, July 31st. There's not a July 31st non-waiver trade deadline and an end of August waiver trade deadline, which was confusing to everyone, everyone. So I'm not the only one because when I saw that, I thought, oh, Patty's going to explain this to me or re-explain it to me because I didn't pick it up the first time that there's no more waivers. There's no more waivers. So here's the other important stuff about that. Because July 31st is the trade deadline, that's kind of mid-season, right? The All-Star break, which is early July, is sort of considered the halfway point in the season. So it's not too far off from that. What this forces teams to do is make better use of their off-season, right? They have to really get their ducks in a row early because they're not going to have all this extra time, right, to make changes. That's way good for next year because that's been shit this year, especially with these guys who are still Mm -hmm. out there. Nice point. The other thing it's good for is service time. So teams are saying things like, well, what if my guy gets hurt in August? I can't trade. Well, then you bring your guys up from the minors, and you don't suppress their service time. You give them playing time because they're ready to play, damn it. This is awesome. I knew you would make this more, make more sense right? to me. Yeah. The other thing that happened, the two things that happen in August are teams that are losing dump salaries, right? Mm-hmm. When, you know, Daniel Murphy, you know, got traded away from the Nats in August, two, two years ago now, I guess two seasons ago. And that was because can't pay a salary right now. We don't you know whatever for a postseason, not necessary, mm-hmm. whatever. Hanley Ramirez from the Red Sox. That was a salary dump. Right, right. And then um, the other thing you do, if you're on a winning streak, you're going to load your team for the push through and to and through the postseason. So you're going to be playing a bunch of guys, acquiring guys that didn't play with you all season long. So it kind of eliminates the extremes on both of those ends, and it makes the team more solid for longer. We were talking about that a little bit. It might have just been last week about how great it is when you have people that want to stay with a team Mm -hmm. for longer, and they sign these longer contracts. This creates a slightly more stable team that fans can get behind. I think that's cool. 
Second thing that is happening this year that I think is important, I'm going to call marketing tools. They were listed on every list. They showed up as all-star changes and home run derby changes. These are marketing tools, people. This is the way to get people excited about baseball. They're changing the all-star voting to do like the initial like fan vote and all. Then they're going to have an election day, one day where fans can vote for the starting lineup. Think of how much fun teams can have marketing that. They can get goofy. They can get creative. They can get crazy marketing their guy. And all of a sudden, look at us. We're paying attention to what makes our players unique instead of saying, oh, we don't do that in baseball. And hey, we're training voters so that maybe they'll (laughs) actually fucking vote on actual election day. So everybody out there who votes for the All-Star Game, just remember that in November as well, please. Every November Mm -hmm. from here till you're dead. Um, The other thing that's happening is there's a raise for All-Star, people who make the All-Star team, which is fine. No one, almost no one says no to playing in the All-Star game if they're voted in, but they've increased the pay for home run derby. If you remember last year, some players were invited to play in the home run derby and said, no, thank you, because they were afraid it was going to screw them up for the rest of the season. That's not what happened to last year's winning, winning guy, Bryce Harper. He had a great second half, but players are afraid of that. Well, they're dangling more money in front of them, so maybe they can attract a different caliber of hitter. Yeah, I'm thinking that Bryce Harper also, that that his success after that is resetting the clock from the opposite with Aaron Judge because he did phenomenal in that home run derby and then tanked. And I think that scared the shit out of everybody for participating. So little cash. And I think the Harper effect is a big one. Yeah. So hooray for hooray for MLB and for the players, you know, for thinking, yeah, you know what, let's market this better. Let's make people more excited about the all-star game. A couple of things are just pace of play things again and still. One is inning breaks are going to be reduced to two minutes, no matter if it's a local game or a national game. As far as being televised, if it's a local game, they're only two minutes, five seconds anyway. That's barely noticeable. But on nationally televised games, like your Sunday night baseball game, they go from like 2.25 to two minutes. And you think, huh how's MLB willingly giving up all of that commercial revenue? Remember the playoffs? Remember there were all these ads like in between pitches and you had these split screens? I have a feeling that's, that even the pace of play is going to be moving along more quickly. We're going to have the ad sort of compressed into the game itself. So I have very mixed feelings about that. Interestingly, that happened a lot in the winter leagues when Mm. I was watching. Like even with a breath, the announcers were giving little mini ads. And I don't want to go in that direction. I mean, what's the next step? Putting ads on uniforms like they do. like Right, like little NASCAR baseball uniforms. Yep. So mound visits that remember how it was this, oh, my God, we only have six mound visits last year. And really only 33 times in the entire season, that's 30 teams times 162 games, only 30 plus times did that happen where a team used all six of their mound visits. So they're going to go ahead and reduce that to five. I think that's meaningless. Go ahead, put it on paper, something we agreed on, check. Um, One more thing about the All-Star game is the pace of play thing. If the All-Star game goes into extra innings, those extra innings will start with a runner on second base to try to get scoring to happen sooner. Eh. They do it in Little League, right? 
Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have strong feelings. We'll see how that goes. I'm good with that experiment. So the more meaty changes are coming in 2020. I think they were put off a year because they're going to really affect strategy. They're going to affect roster strategy. They're going to affect pitching strategy. So teams kind of need to think about this for a while. Um, changes that are coming up are a three batter minimum for all pitchers. And to be clear, the players union did not agree to this. Right. I can't imagine. This is the thing that I've seen the most uh, conversation about or controversy about. I think it's fucking stupid. You're just opening up a Pandora's box of what ifs. What if somebody gets hurt? What if somebody's having a really shitty day and they're just giving up run after run after run and you're really going to leave them in for three batters? Yep. I mean, there's so many crappy situations that could happen from this. Um, Just... Okay, so there's something we disagree on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Actually, they've thought of the injury thing. If there's an injury, you can, in fact, if it's a real thing, you can. Yeah. You can swap it. And also, it's three batters or the end of the half inning. So if you, a lot of these changes come in during a partial inning, so you just have to get through that batter you're having a hard time with in some of those cases. And you know what? Suck it up. You're an athlete. <laughs> For God's sake, don't give him the out. Suck it up. Do better. I like the strategy part, though. I mean, I just I don't think this this is a great solution. Time for a vocabulary lesson. Loogie. And it's not what you learned in first grade. <laughs> We're not hocking up a loogie. We are, in fact, giving up a loogie. L-O-O-G-Y is the lefty one out guy. That is the person you're going to miss. You're, they're not going to they're not going to spend 10 minutes warming up and bringing in a pitcher to get that one guy out and then warming up and bringing in another pitcher to pitch the next three guys. All right. You're starting to warm me up a little bit, but I'm still a little skeptical. It might be the beer. You're yeah. also going to lose things like the trick opener, like the Brewers used, where they had a, bat a, a yeah. pitcher come in for one batter and then swapped him out. So that's, again, that's a year away. So I don't know that this is a really done deal. Um, there are going to be rules about bringing in position players because that happened way more this past year than it has in a while. It's going to be in extreme situations like if you've gone into extra innings or if you're winning or losing by six or more runs, um, there's going to be something to protect the pitchers, which is there's going to be a minimum time on the injured reserve. It's going to go from 10 to 15 days. And also it's going to um, control how much time pitchers can spend in the minor leagues and back. So they're not swapping back and forth all the time. Again, this has the effect of protecting service time and maybe increasing service time for minor league pitchers who come up to fill in for a pitcher who is hurt. There will be some roster size changes. Um, and that's to be determined because it's going to be based on how many pitchers you can have. We'll talk about all of that later because that's all happening in 2020. What's happening this week? This week is kind of opening day, so I'm going to give the opening day countdown in a moment. But first, this drops on Tuesday. You might be hearing this the day before a pseudo opening day. March 20th and March 21st, the Mariners and the A's are going to be playing in Japan at the Tokyo Dome. And the excitement, of course, is around Ichiro coming to Japan. That's why he's on the roster. He was given a job with the Mariners last year, but brought back into the roster just really for this opportunity. And people are already going wild. Today, they're having games with the Mar Mariners against one of the Japanese teams. And he is a hero for so many good reasons. There's some amazing footage of his behind-the-back catch, which you must see if you haven't already. My only comment on this is, damn it, 
they should have gone to Zoom Zoom. You know, Tokyo Dome, we've seen a lot of problems there. It's a dome, for Christ's sake. It's not a real baseball field, right? With the open sky, Zoom Zoom Stadium, not only is it fun to say, <laughs> but it has an open open top. And it's in Hiroshima. Yeah, it's also in March in right. cold, and but it's definitely not as fun as Zoom Zoom. And I do not like the domes. Sam, I am. Uh, my whole thing is... I am surprised that MLB didn't assert white privilege, white Western world privilege, and say, what do you mean it's going to be at 530 in the morning? Can't you set your clocks differently so we can watch it when we're all awake here in the United States? No. So my friends, go to bed early Tuesday night and Wednesday night because you have to get up in time to watch this game on ESPN 530 in the morning, Wednesday and Thursday morning. You know, that's my usual wake up time. So I'll just watch it during breakfast. That's great. Awesome. Yay for you. Hey, hey, what about opening day for the whole rest of the league? This is crazy. This is the last double digit announcement. 10, count them, 10 days, 21 hours, 10 minutes, and a few seconds from when we're recording. Much closer for you right now. Hey, we got our um, our season ticket packages in the mail. It's pretty exciting. It's less exciting than it was when you actually got tickets in the mail, but it's still pretty cool. I, had, I actually I opened my phone and saw my tickets on my app, Bat um, app, and it's like, this is cool. It's just a picture of what tickets might be, but it's still cool. We're so close. We're so close. We're going to watch actual games that count. At the crack of dawn, Wednesday and Thursday, and you're going to be picking your starting lineups for the Fantasy Baseball League and telling us that you want to play with us. You're also going to be telling your friends about us because you know what? Next week we start season three, oh my God, of No Crying in Baseball. Get your friends lined up. Have them subscribe. Please write a review so folks can find us. And until then, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs>